Expectations are important. The gospel, the story of Jesus Christ, his person shatters all of our expectations and changes the way that we look at everything. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to do that again in the disciples' lives and in their minds as we look at the Word of God in Mark chapter 13. Jesus teaches His disciples what to expect on the road ahead. So that they and we will be prepared to endure. Be prepared to trust Him. Even when we cannot see the end. I'm going to read Mark chapter 13, verses 1 to 13. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. Father, may you open our eyes to understand your word this morning, that we would begin to look at life, look at the world around us through your eyes, that we would see what you have revealed to us, and that we would indeed endure to the end. Amen. 
Mark chapter 13, verse 1 begins as Jesus left the temple at the end of a long day of teaching. He left that temple in Jerusalem never to return. And as he left, one of the disciples spoke up and said, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. The temple was awe-inspiring. It's really hard to visualize even with, you can look at online and see you know, graphics and pictures and 3D models of the temple. It was rebuilt and it was expanded by Herod. And the temple and its courtyards had many porches and balconies. And there were buildings that were set aside in the temple grounds for various uses. They were all made of massive white stones decorated with gold that gleamed in the sun. But Jesus saw through the splendor of the temple. Earlier He had proclaimed that the temple had become a hideout for thieves. Mark 11.17 That beautiful building hid a lot of, of evil. And now it was time for the temple to be raised to the ground. Jesus' words, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Jesus declared specifically and with certainty that these massive stones would be thrown down and not even one would remain on another. His words were fulfilled completely in 70 A.D. when God sent the Roman army to destroy the entire temple complex. The Roman historian Tacitus tells us about this and he drew um, his uh, account of this siege from Josephus, the Jewish historian whose life was spared by the Roman general Vespian who became the emperor. And Josephus went with the Roman emperor's son and watched the temple, the city fall, and he recounts that in his writings that we have today, translated in English. When Jerusalem was taken, the histories say that a fire was set by Roman soldiers that raged through the temple grounds. And afterwards, the temple was completely demolished. Today, only a few of the footings for the retaining wall remain. And these were not part of the temple or its buildings. This prophecy, which was not yet fulfilled, at the time, left the disciples with some questions. It rocked their world to think of the temple 
the center of their worship for centuries, that it was going to be destroyed. How should they think of this? When would this happen? They have a lot of questions. And so Mark tells us that on the other side, looking out off the Mount of Olives, they looked out across to the temple, would have been in view and the sun was going down as Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked Jesus the questions that they had on their mind. They wanted to understand when will these things be? Mark 13, 4. When will these things be and what will be the sign? when all these things are about to happen. They ask about the destruction of the temple. They naturally wanted to know when it would happen and what the sign would be that it was about to happen. But there's good reason to believe they were asking about more. According to Matthew in Matthew 24 verse 3, Matthew recounts this same uh, discourse, the same teaching. And this is what he says in Matthew 24, verse 3. And now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So you see there, they're asking when will these things be? Same as Mark. They're asking about the temple. They are also asking about the sign of Jesus coming and the end of the age. Their question reveals a confusion about the time of the end. They did not yet understand the plan of God or how the temple's destruction would fit into it. So they come looking to Jesus for answers. Part of what has been so confusing and what has led to so many perspectives on this passage, and there are many, but part of what has been confusing is that Jesus is addressing the destruction of the temple, what has already happened, And he at the same time distinguishes between the temple's destruction and his coming in the end of the age. He speaks about what is still coming. Now there are two views here in what I have just told you. One is the preterist view. This has already happened pre, prior. And that is that this is fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. And there is the futurist view, which says, no, this is future. This is still coming. And they would relate this to perhaps the great tribulation um, at the end of the age and of Jesus coming again.
I take the view that Jesus is referring to both. He addresses the temple's destruction and then he addresses the coming of Jesus before the end of the age. And we will talk more and focus more on this when we get to Mark 13, verse 14. And we will talk about that section following that next week. But for today, we're going to be uh, turn to the beginning portion of Jesus' discourse that we have read. And we're going to look there. But I, I do want to bring up to you some of the difficulties about interpreting this text that are contained in uh, how do we understand, not only how do we understand the questions that are being asked and the understanding of the disciples, but how does Jesus answer them? There is great clarity that is brought out in what Jesus says in spite of much of the confusion. Verses 5 through 8. I'm going to read those again. And Jesus began to say to them, this is his answer to their questions. See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. We're going to pause there. Notice what is first on Jesus' mind. It is not the sign that they asked for. It is not a timetable, but an exhortation to warn and prepare His disciples to faithfully serve Him in the midst of troubled times. Seventeen times in this discourse in Mark's account, Jesus exhorts the disciples. He gives them a command, something to do, something that He is calling them to. So whenever we look at end times, when we come to approach a topic like this, we need to see what Jesus cared about. And that was that they would endure. That, that His people would be prepared for what is to come. So we see that throughout. That we can be prepared to faithfully serve Him, to know what to expect in the midst of troubled times. The first exhortation is, see that no one leads you astray. See to it that you are not led off the path, in other words. Watch that no one 
deceives you. Jesus understood our tendency to be led astray on these matters. Matters related to the timing of the end. Many, he says, will come in my name saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. They will come in the name of Jesus saying, I am the Messiah, Jesus says. There were false Christs in the first century. Bar Kokhba was one messianic pretender who led a revolt. And many others are named in different histories of people that claimed to be the Messiah. There are people like that today. People who seek to deceive, to lead a following after them. We are to follow Christ. When He comes, it will be plain for all to see. There were wars and rumors of wars in those days also. And there are now. Jesus says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Don't be afraid. He wants us to know first that there will be conflict. Secondly, we don't need to fear. It's a part of his plan. And He has a purpose in all these things. Jesus continues at the end of verse 7. He says, this must take place, but the end is not yet. These things must happen. We should expect deceptions to come and troubles to take place. But, they do not signal the end. Jesus tells the disciples what to expect, not so they would try to tally the days until the temple's destruction or start talking about how the rapture is around the corner, but so that they would watch that's the first thing. That they would not be deceived. So that they would expect deception. And secondly, so that they would not be alarmed. They would not be troubled by these things. They would be able to expect troubles like wars like earthquakes. These are commands that Jesus has given us. Whatever we are looking at in our day and in our time, Jesus calls us to watch. 
to trust Him, to look to His Word, and not to be afraid of the troubles. Because He has a purpose in all these things. Jesus goes on in verse 8, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. International conflict, earthquakes, famines, and Luke adds pestilences to the list in Luke 21.11. These will also happen. And they too are not signs. They're not signs of Christ's return. They're not given so that we can predict the future. Now Jesus will give them a sign of the coming desolation of the temple. A very clear one. In chapter 3 verse 4, or 13 verse 14. And he will speak of his coming. But these things that he is speaking of in verses 5 through 8 are not the end. They are the beginning of birth pain. Hard and painful. But as a mother will tell you, the beginning pains are not the end. The earth will groan with labor pains until God brings forth the new creation. For we know, Paul says in Romans 8.22, that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Till now. How many years? Some 4,000 or more years since the fall of Adam. Until that time that Paul wrote and he said this is the, the pains of childbirth. That are because of Adam's sin. Jesus tells us that all of these things are like the beginning of birth pains. False messiahs, wars, earthquakes, pandemics. These are the Braxton Hicks before the end. They will happen before the baby comes and it hurts. And they will continue until suddenly the Savior returns to redeem His creation. Knowing that these things will happen doesn't take the pain away. But it does help to prepare. It does help to know the testimony of the Word of God. As Paul went on to say in Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes. That All that groaning, all the pain, all the struggles, all the griefs, but God is in it. 
He's up to something. Something good. When troubles come and affect our lives, it is in those times we especially need to see the sovereignty of God. That our Lord has said these kinds of troubles will happen. Troubles are not unexpected or outside of His will. He has told us about these trials so that we would lean on His strength and He says, I will be with you. He wants us to lean on Him in these things. Do you? What else is to be expected? Verse 9 says, be, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. Be on guard. Watch. Why? Persecution is coming. Jesus taught that his disciples will face local, provincial, and national persecution. Arrests, beatings, trials before the court for his sake. Not because of wrongdoing or real criminal activity, but for serving him faithfully. And not only for his sake, but for a purpose to bear witness, Jesus says in verse nine. And the disciples did. They did indeed. They poured their lifeblood out for the Lord. They stood before magistrates. Paul stood before the Roman emperor. And they testified of God and of His grace, and of the judgment to come. And they taught that we also should not be surprised when persecution and other trials come. That's what Peter said to the churches in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Notice the intent of God behind persecution. What is God's purpose? It is that the disciples would testify of, of Jesus. They would bear witness to Him. And Jesus says, verse 10, the Gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. God's purpose, we are told, is that the Gospel must be preached to all nations. This is His intent in Christian suffering, it is that all people would hear the gospel. That all nations would hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the work that God is doing today. Advancing His kingdom around the world. But it advances in the context of suffering for and proclaiming Christ. 
So we should expect persecution. We should not be surprised if we stand with Christ that we would be mocked, that we would be laughed at, that we might face criminal charges. We should expect persecution as we do. Jesus wants us to hear something. Verse 11. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious. Don't be frightened. Do not worry. Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. In our own context today, where murder is legalized under the names of abortion, uh, here in Canada, made medical assistance in dying for the elderly or those who deem their lives uh, too hard to live. And where sexual perversion and child abuse are being protected under the guise of love and acceptance, it is easy to see why we might be anxious to say certain things. Wondering where things will go, what will we say, what will we do if at my workplace I have to sign a certain policy? accepting certain lifestyles. These are situations that we face today. But brothers and sisters, Jesus gave a comforting word to his disciples, a reason not to be anxious. And it is a command again that he gives. He says, don't be anxious. We have no need to when we trust in the Lord. When we act on his behalf. God the Holy Spirit will speak through you. If and when you stand trial for him. Now that's not an excuse to never prepare. You know if you're teaching a Sunday school lesson. Well just uh, fly by the seat of your pants or something like that. This isn't a universal promise for every situation. Elsewhere, Peter commands us to be ready to give a reasoned answer for the hope that is in us. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But these words of our Lord are an assurance that if you stand for Him and His ways before a watching world, if you face criminal consequences, he will not abandon you. Like Stephen before the Sanhedrin, we do not need to be anxious about being witnesses of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit will be with you.
verse 12 gets personal. And brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Your family may become your worst enemies. You might experience that in subtle ways when you have when we all have family members that do not know the Lord. There is a uh, a bond that is not there. The enemies of God will hate those who belong to Christ. Jesus says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Mark 13, 13. If you want to read a more full explanation of this and why Jesus says this, you can read John 15, verses 18 through 27. Jesus talks about this at length with his disciples. Are you prepared for that? To be hated. Be hated by people you love. Right now in Canada, to speak the truth about gender and help someone return to the way that God has made them is labeled hate speech. And you can face jail time. You can lose your job and you will be mocked for standing for those kinds of things. For God's truth and His ways. And the day is coming when it may be so for proclaiming the gospel here in Canada. Today, many churches are silent. It is easier to say nothing than to speak up. Many have not been willing to endure. What about you and I? What about us and our little fellowship? When Jesus gave His revelation to John on the island of Patmos, He gave a word to seven churches in Asia Minor. And He spoke to them and their situations. And those words still speak today to us and our context. What would he say about our church? I'm sure he would have some warnings, some encouraging things to say. But he would say much the same as he said to the disciples. Watch. See that you're not deceived. Don't be alarmed by the troubles come your way and do not be anxious when you are persecuted. The bottom line here in this word from our Lord is that the one who endures to the end will be saved. Whether Jesus will come today, next year, in 10 years, Or 1,000, I do not know. 
But our speculating about world events, about wars, about weather patterns, and all these sorts of things are at best a waste of time. Jesus said, the end is not yet. I want you to think about this. None of of that, none of the troubles, none of the persecutions, none of the deceivers who come will matter when you stand before Jesus. What will matter is whether you continued in the faith, whether you did watch, whether you did trust, in Christ. Those who persevere, pressing on under strain, continuing through every trial, will evidence saving faith. Those who endure will be saved. That is the sure word of our Lord. Will be, that is, you will be welcomed into Christ's eternal kingdom. And will gain your life and not lose your soul. So let's recap really briefly. When Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure, what did he want them to know? He taught them to expect deception, deceivers to come. To expect troubles. By troubles I mean conflicts and disasters of all kinds. Whether an earthquake. Or a war. Or a famine. Don't be afraid. Jesus said. And thirdly to expect persecution. About which Jesus said don't worry. In John 16, verse 1, Jesus said, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus told us what to expect so that we would endure, in other words. And John 16, verse 33, to have peace because he has overcome the world. It is In that truth that our hope lies. If Jesus had not overcome the world, then we have no hope of any sort of change, of any sort of getting better. Jesus has warned us about trials and troubles and sorrows. So that we would trust in Him. Endurance, you see, is born out of sufferings. And it produces hope in God. Hope that says, your will be done. Even when you cannot see the good of what is happening to you. And... 
That is a difficult place to be. I'm sure you've been there. Maybe you are there. To be able to say, Lord, I do trust you somehow in all of this. There's a purpose. You are good. There will be deceivers and troubles and persecutions. Christ told us there would be. But He is sovereign and good in every trial. And His promise is that those who endure by His grace will see a joy that overcomes every sorrow and a hope that does not fade. Rejoice in that hope. Expect trials to come. And when they do, run to Christ. He will not forsake you.